Welcome to the Values Exchange Podcast. I'm Mike Cruz, your host, private pilot, author of Saturday Every Day, and CEO of North Texas Wealth Management, a firm dedicated to values-based financial planning. This podcast uncovers the values and habits of highly successful people and dives into how it has shaped their success and what you can learn from their personal stories. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Values Exchange Podcast. Today's guest is Ryan Cave with the Cave Realty Team. Uh, excited to share his wisdom in real estate and answer some of the you know burning questions about investing. Um, I'm going to let Ryan really introduce himself. We, I've known Ryan for a long time, you know, 20 years that he's been in the the real estate business, and he has a unique journey. So, Ryan, welcome to the Values Exchange. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, um, I think you know we've both been in in our respective careers for about 20 years uh, and, and met at a different place in life when we were, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, coming up. I I basically got into real estate out of uh, telecom. I did that for about three and a half years out of school. It was all right, but um, I kind of found my calling in real estate. I love what I do now. Um, I got in it because I wanted to help people. It was awesome to get to kind of make the American dream happen. I know that sounds cheesy, but uh, to make the American dream happen was why I got in. And uh, today, fast forward to new guy, never sold the home before, um, you know, 20 plus years ago. Today, uh, I run the Cave Realty team. My wife and I run. She kind of runs more the administrative side. We have a... Um, a couple of people uh, local uh, here that uh, work uh, and uh, a virtual assistant as well. Uh, and I'm over the uh, sales side. And so basically helping buyers and sellers. We have a listing specialist who helps with all of our listings and sales and then a, a showing specialist who helps me show homes. And, um, you know, I help write contracts, negotiate contracts, et cetera. I've been doing that over 20 years and, and still love it. Yeah. Love helping people uh, in their real estate journey. Um, it's uh, f- funny. I say to people, the million dollar houses pay better uh, financially, but the emotional reward of like helping somebody uh, buy yeah. their first home is still one of my favorite things. So one thing that I've always known, you've helped our family sell, you know, three homes over the over the last 20 years. And, um, you know, you really embrace technology, what I would say early. And that was like a big reason we hired you as a, as a realtor. So tell me about like your technology that you use to help sell homes. Sure. I mean, um, yes, I've always been kind of an early adopter of technology. Um, and that probably comes out of my background. My dad was an engineer. Um, uh, I was tearing computers apart as a kid. Um, so, uh, uh, today my real estate team, um, uses a lot of technology, uh, that for example, the 3d model, uh, we shoot 3d models of all of our homes. There mm-hmm. are agents that do that out there today, but most of them are doing that on million dollar homes. Uh, plus I, I did that on a, a double wide on 10 acres and actually sold it to a family from Oklahoma that had never set foot in, uh, in the, in the property because they were able to walk through it virtually. Okay. I was doing that years ago before anybody else was doing it. Uh, I had 800 numbers on my sign that when people called it text messaged the whole team so we could follow up with uh, the people after they heard a recording, we could follow up and make sure we got them information. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm not going to add technology just to add it. I'm going to, um, Add it if I think it's going to be beneficial to uh, our clients, uh, you know, our team, mm-hmm. our business model. If it's going to be beneficial, you know, why would we not add it in? Okay. Yeah. And embrace it uh, as something that could uh, help us. Like I said, today we have sold, I used to say three homes, four homes, five homes. I've lost count how many homes we've sold now to people who they themselves never set foot in the home. Either their agent saw it and they saw it online, walked it all with a 3D model. I mean, we're talking about you can put 
the virtual goggles on and look around and wow. it's like you're there. Um, uh, or maybe they had a friend or a family member who came through and they said, does it look in person like it does online? And uh, when the person says, yeah, it looks just like that, they go, okay, then we're, we're ready to put an offer in. Yeah, well, that's great. And so, you know, real estate, right out of, uh, you know, college, that was my first job working in real estate on the North Shore of Oahu. And I learned very quickly that real estate can be a cutthroat industry, you know, between realtors competing. So how do you maintain the, the ethics and uh, is it still cutthroat? Sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> still cutthroat. Uh, it can be. Um, but I think the key is just to keep focused on the clients. And for my team and I, you don't get hired on our team if your focus is not, you know, the client. Um, I think a lot of agents uh, get uh, what in the industry people call commission breath. They're worried about closing that transaction, getting that deal done. And on my team, you don't stay on my team if you don't have the beliefs that I do of it's about the transaction, it's about the client and their future transactions. And the only way you get that is most agents are gonna say, it's my job to you know, uh, help you get your house sold and it's my you know, goal to make sure you get top dollar. I say both of those are my job. My goal is to do it so well that you wanna refer all your friends, all mm -hmm. your family, everybody to me for years to come. And so instead of looking at you know, the commission or the sale, uh, I believe our team has stayed on the ethical side of things by focusing on referrals. And the only way you do that is how can we make this, in fact, our team's um, you know, internal, our mission statement internally is um, to give clients the most compelling real estate experience possible. Um, we want them to, when someone refers me, I say, hey, I hope to make you look like a rock star for referring me. And when we're done, I say, hey, Mike, thanks so much for referring you know, your sister to me. I hope we made you look like a rock star. I want you to reach yeah. out and let me know. And it's my anticipation that they will reach out and they'll go, man, they said it was an incredible experience. Thank you so much for making me look good for referring you. Yeah. Well, so, we've, we've had that experience. And of course, I had such a great experience. I referred and brought you on the podcast. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly there are agents out there that perfect example is um, the the real estate agents today have the option, sellers have the option of putting uh, any amount of uh, commission they want to offer to a buyer's agent out there. And um, some of them will offer less than 3% because 3% is kind of more the norm. There's not a norm, but 3% you'll see out there more than anything else. And when agents are offering 2% or 2.5% or 1% or whatever, there are agents out there that won't show the home. Um, they'll tell the buyer, oh, you don't want to buy that home, et cetera. And our team has just always taken the approach of, it doesn't matter what we're earning off of this home. I may tell that buyer, hey, we'll help you with this home. By the way, they're paying us less than any other home you've seen. That's fine. Just, you're going to refer me, right? And they'll yeah. go, oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. great. We're good. We'll show you this home. And so we don't, that's not a consideration for us, you know, uh, uh, whether or not we're going to show the home. If it's in the MLS and they're offering some kind of compensation, great. We're going to show the home. And, and uh, you know, if it's less than normal, then, you know, uh, we'll, we'll ask for referrals a little more than normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but that's, yeah. that's, that's it for us. But I think that's kind of the... When you talk about ethics or cutthroat or whatever, there are agents that, that, again, it's all about how much am I making, what's in it for me, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I was brought up that if you take care of people, you always, know, always comes back to you, right? Always comes back. It's karma. Yeah. yeah. No, that's right. So you know, I think um, most people, you know, watching like HDTV these days, um, you know, we think of investing in properties, and of course. You know, North Texas Wealth Management, we manage investments and many of our clients have a part of their portfolio as individual real estate. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like your advice and 
different investing areas and opportunities and um, what do you see as like the biggest opportunities and, and some of the mistakes made? Um, I think in real estate, there's always opportunities. It's really, I think where people get caught up and, and maybe misstep a little bit is it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. And anyone who thinks I'm gonna buy at the bottom, uh, much like your business, yeah. anybody who thinks I'll just wait and buy at the bottom traditionally misses out on gains. Mm -hmm. It's about buying and holding the right assets that over time are gonna appreciate. Real estate's no different okay. uh, in that way. Where it is different is there's very few uh, assets that people can invest in that they only have to put 20, 25, 30% down and someone else will buy the rest for them. Mm -hmm. I, I you know, joke with someone who's saying, well, I've got all my money in the market in my 401k and my investments. We wanna do some real estate, but we're not sure. I, I always say, well, you know, name me a stock or a bond or a mutual fund mm -hmm. that you can buy 25% down and even if it doesn't appreciate one penny, in 10 years it's worth the exact same amount as it worth 10 years ago, you'll actually own, instead of 25%, you'll now own 70% of it. Yeah. And there aren't many investments like that out there. Yeah, you get to use the leverage in real estate. Right. Because you have a asset that you can you know, use as collateral. Yeah, and absolutely, it's probably going to appreciate too. So mm -hmm. not only you know, uh, uh, is it going to appreciate, you've got the you know, uh, tenants paying the mortgage down, you've mm -hmm. got the appreciation going up, just between those two, it's typically a very good investment for somebody. But again, not trying to time the market and do it in a year or two. I am not personally as experienced with flips personally. I own 15 rental properties. My wife and I own 15 mm -hmm. rental properties. Um, I prefer the long-term investment over the short-term. Flip, the people that I know that do flips, where you're buying a property, you're trying to turn around and sell it for a profit, that's usually more of a short-term gain, but also more work. Most of the people I know that do that are mm -hmm. either putting in a lot of work to manage the project, to try to make a good amount of money, or they're letting someone else handle it and they're trying to make just a little bit of money. Right. Um, whereas most of the investments I encourage my clients to do are more long-term. For example, my wife and I's pro properties uh, are all on 15-year uh, notes, uh, where our goal is not to make money on the monthly income coming in, it's to get them paid off in 15 years because like you, mm -hmm. I have kids that are gonna be going off to college yeah. and mine are all time so that when my kids go off to college, those are gonna pay for you know, them to go to college. And when they graduate, those properties will pay for me to travel and, and you know, retire and do whatever I want. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, so I think it's uh, two things. When you start with an investment, the same thing we ask our clients is, you know, at North Texas Wealth Management, like, what's your goal? What's your goal? Right? Yep. And too many times I think it's like, well, I'll just buy this investment because I think it's a good investment. But if you're not really specific on what you're trying to accomplish, it's hard to structure the financing. It's hard to know your time horizon. And you, you may not end up being successful because you don't even know when you got there, right? Yep. Um, and so talk to me about like where you see right now interest rates are higher. It seems like real estate's a little bit you know, more challenging. A lot of times, you know, prices are up, interest rates are up. So what do you see as like the first time home buyer challenge? And then also, where do you see the in investment opportunities? Um, so for first time home buyers, I think the biggest challenge is that we have a generation who's buying homes now, uh, first time home buyers who are a bit spoiled by low interest rates. And they think anything over 4% is ungodly high. And in actuality, if you look at the history of uh, homes over our, you know, and even our parents' lifespan over the last 70 years, uh, the average interest rates have been over 7%. So it's about re-educating some of these folks and saying, if you look historical, 
interest rates are not high. Interest rates are average. They've normalized back to what they've been. And in fact, if you tell your parents who may have bought houses in the 80s, yeah. um, gosh, I'm going to wait till interest rates come down. They're really high right now. You're Watch out. You may get a pop because they're liable to say, well, my first home I bought was at 14% or 16%. Right. right. Um, so could they be more affordable? Sure. But if you look at it historically, the chances of rates being back down at 2 or 3% in our lifetime are actually fairly slim. So you may be waiting a very long time for that to happen. And the good news is, you know, we usually talk about for the first time home buyer, you, you marry the house, you date the rate. You find a house that you can afford at the current payment that's not going to stretch you too thin, that you can buy now. And if rates go down, you can refi into a lower rate. And that doesn't mean you reset the clock. I refied one of my properties when the uh, time went up. I refied, I had been there eight years. And instead of refining into a 30-year note, resetting the clock to another 30 years, because I had already paid off eight of 30 of my, this is a principal residence, so I did it for 30 years, I refined into a 20-year note, so I actually shaved two years off and lowered my payment. Right. Perfect. So there's ways that you can do, do those things. And, or maybe at that point, it's been five or 10 years, and you decide it's time to sell, take equity out, and put it into another home. The key, the key point there was they bought something they could afford from the get-go, and they're not worried about it. Right. Now that may mean because interest rates are higher and prices are up, they're not getting the, you know, super killer, awesome home in the super hip and trendy place that they wanted 10 years ago. That may not be available. It may not be as affordable to them right now. Mm -hmm. But time in the market, like I said, over time versus timing the market means they're going to hold something, an asset that mm -hmm. historically has appreciated at four to 5% per year. Yeah. It may be flatter down temporarily, but historically over time, it's gone up. Now, on the investor side, Yes, there are challenges. It's going to be very hard to buy a property in some of the areas that you might have bought in years past. Buying a home in Plano, uh, Allen, McKinney, and making it cash flow like you want may be harder. Uh, but that doesn't mean you couldn't either A, put a little bit more down, or B, buy in an area that's a little more affordable. I mean, Princeton, Greenville, yeah. uh, Farmersville, there are areas that are still close. They're not an hour and a half away where you could still go visit your property, yeah. see it, et cetera. They're still renting very well. Um, uh, and the numbers still work uh, for renting. Uh, the, and and well, by numbers work, I mean, we're going to pull comparable sales to see mm -hmm. what it should sell for when you, when you buy it. But we're also going to pull uh, comparable rents to see what are they renting for in the area. And let's make the numbers work. Because years ago, you might have said, well, I'm only going to put 20% down on an investment. Now it may take 25 or 30 to make the numbers work right. Yeah. But they still work. And again, putting 30% down on something that someone else will buy the other 70% for you over time is still an incredible opportunity. Yeah. What do you see as someone that has some cash on the side, they're looking for a real estate investment, what advice do you have for them? Like what are the steps they need to go through? And then how long should they expect to be invested? When you say invest for the long term, how long is that? Are we talking three years, five years, 10 years? I would say if you're wanting to buy rental properties, Five years is kind of the minimum. And, and I okay. say that for homeowners too. When okay. someone buys a home, I probably told you years ago, yeah. own a home for at least four or five years because it's the people who buy and say, I'm hoping values will go up a lot and I'll sell in a year or two that end up getting burned because okay. values go flat or down a little bit and they go, gosh, I've lost out now. Okay. You've only lost out if you sell. As long as you've got it rent it and someone's paying off that property for you and you turn around and sell it, or if you're a primary, you know, if you're the owner, uh, occupant of the home, as long as you can afford that payment, you just stay there because historically they've always rebounded and gone back up uh, and you're not losing out on anything. And so, yes, okay. I would say at least five years uh, for long-term investment or ideally 
you know, 10, 15, where you say, hey, I know this is going to get paid off and I'm going to be just cash flowing off of this. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't get rid of a property that's underperforming, um, just like you would a stock, a bond, a mutual fund that's underperforming. If something is not working for you, you might 1031 uh, to sell without tax implications into another property. There's ways to do that as well. But ultimately, you've got to be willing to hold more than a couple of years. Otherwise, it's a lot more mm -hmm. speculative. It's not really right. investing. Right. So let's say this is my first time investing in real estate. What's, what's that path look like? Like what should be my first step, second step? Kind of walk me through that process. So normally the first step for somebody is going to be talking to uh, either a real estate agent who's going to uh, help you a little bit understand um, uh, some of the process, or you could start directly going to a mortgage lender uh, and finding out, okay, what are interest rates? What would a payment on X amount of house look like? Mm -hmm. um, I probably would recommend the real estate agent because they can give you... Um, uh, advice on what kind of price range you should be looking for first, because it's not like qualifying for a primary residence where you're mm -hmm. like, how much can I afford? A lot of times people investing in real estate can afford far more than they're going to actually buy. In fact, I have people that qualify for four or $600,000 on a second home. And I say, don't buy that as an investment Buy two, $300,000 houses rather than one okay. 600. So the agent's probably going to help you with that. And they may have some mortgage professionals that they recommend their clients have had good experiences mm -hmm. with versus, well, this guy did my mortgage eight years ago. Mm -hmm. He may be great. He may not if you haven't had a recent experience with him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so you can always shop the people you've used, but you may okay. get some recommendations of people that are good. So real estate agent or maybe a mortgage lender probably is the first step. Okay. And so we're kind of talking in reference to the long-term rental where you buy a home, have somebody rent it, help you pay down the mortgage, wait for appreciation. Um, what other types of real estate investment opportunities are out there, like vacation rentals? Sure. You know, they have you know, apartment complexes, commercial real estate. Kind of talk about, like, you know, what should uh, a person do to kind of get educated and research? Like, where area should they invest? Yeah. So. Um you know, ultimately a lot of that has to do with what experience you have. Mm -hmm. um, and so if someone has owned a couple of homes, I might say, hey, single family uh, is a great place to, to start to begin investing um, because you already have some experience with that. Uh, to mm -hmm. say I've owned five homes, I've never rented, leased, owned any commercial space and then jump into commercial investing is a little bit uh, more daunting for most mm -hmm. and probably a little more risky because you don't, a little bit more risky uh, because you don't have the experience right. uh, with it. And so Buffett says invest in what you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I've always told people, hey, if you already have an experience buying and selling uh, residential properties, maybe start there. Okay. Um, from there, you can branch out. Other options are, um, uh, you know, duplex and multifamily, you know, duplex, triplex, fourplex. Uh, there are people that will, again, use a 1031 exchange to sell some single family properties and end up buying into uh, apartment complexes. Uh, people who have had experience in commercial properties, mm -hmm. maybe for their business, they've negotiated you know, commercial leases on their properties or bought a commercial building. They might look into buying some additional commercial spaces. I mean, uh, uh, a favorite of a lot of first time commercial investors is like um, the uh, storage units, you know. Um, because there's not a ton of maintenance on them. Mm -hmm. uh, and they uh, tend to, if built in the right location, they tend to uh, have people always have too much stuff. Uh, we're blessed okay. to be in a country where people tend to have too much stuff. And so uh, that's an example of a commercial. Um, there's also things like uh, syndicates where you can actually uh, put pool money with other people to buy um, uh, properties that you wouldn't otherwise be able to maybe afford on your own. 
Uh, syndicates that do that. There's uh, REIT investments that are, are a kind of a version of that where you can own sure. a sliver of uh, uh, real estate. Um, and even uh, Delaware uh, statutory trusts that are kind of a version uh, of mm -hmm. a REIT where um, you, they're going and putting large amounts of money down, pooling it from people mm -hmm. to build a building for Amazon. And Amazon will rent the building out. The returns get paid for five years, and then it either uh, renews, reinvests to a different property, or you can cash out. And there's some differences in mm -hmm. those. Obviously, you'd want to yeah. speak to somebody and understand because some of those uh, have tax implications of buying and selling. Some of them can be done mm -hmm. uh, without tax implications. But that's an example of some of the different things that you know someone could do, not just buying single-family homes. Okay, great. And then you know one idea that comes up is you know we have clients where um, their kids are going off to college and they think about you know, they look at the housing cost, <laughs> housing cost is high and they go, why don't I just buy a little house for, you know, um, you know, my kids to go to college and share that house and then I'll sell it later. Is that a good idea, bad idea? Um, I love that idea. It's one of my favorite uh, okay. uh, topics to speak on uh, with my uh, clients is when they have kids that are approaching that age, 16, 17, 18, uh, I love talking to them about owning a property there because what you'll find today, parents are going to find if they haven't already examined it, that the housing costs, I don't care if it's a very small dorm on campus, are very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, they're probably going to spend a minimum of $1,000 to $1,500 a month uh, for that property. And if you multiply that by three, let's say, that's $3,000 a month that if you went and got a house that had a probably less than $3,000 a month payment, a small three-bedroom, mm -hmm. two-bath in a college town, and rent it out two rooms to friends, and instead of them paying $1,000 a month to live in a dorm, they can pay $800 a month to live in this house uh, you know, with uh, your kid, who uh, the, the kiddo who ultimately owns the property. The friends love it. They're living with friends. Uh, they get to pick their roommates instead of being stuck in a dorm with someone and maybe not. Okay. There are tax advantages galore because not only now are you dealing with the appreciation of the property and the mortgage pay down that friends are helping make happen. And by the way, you can have friends' parents sign on as co-signers. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if I trust an 18-year-old to pay rent, so see if the friends have parents who say, oh yeah, I was gonna be paying the rent anyway or I was gonna help them anyway. Okay. They can be co-signers on the property. And then your child, the owner's child, can become a property manager. So they report back to the parents on the condition of the property. Mm -hmm. uh, they, instead of getting money for McDonald's every week, they get paid as a property manager because you can't write off McDonald's, but you can write off a property manager. Uh, the kiddos, when they come to visit, they come back to the house, um, they come give you reports on the property, the condition of the property. So now that travel is uh, tax deductible. When you go visit your kids at college, you be sure to swing by your property so that that visit to college is tax deductible. Now I'm no CPA. Talk to your CPA about what's legal and what's not. Yeah. You, you may not be able to write off the entire trip and staying for two or three days in a hotel, but certainly the travel there and back if you were checking yeah. on your rental property. So there's a lot of advantages to that. I'm a big fan because rather than you and your friend's two buddies sending $3,000 a month to the university, if uh, you could work that out so that they're paying the same or less to you and helping pay down a property and all the kids love it and it's mutually beneficial, I call mm -hmm. that a win-win. And that's you know, a favorite of mine to talk to parents with kids going off to college about. Yeah, no, that's great. So kind of this journey of becoming successful in the real estate, helping others be successful, um, what's next? You know, uh, I'm, I, I have done a lot of different stuff. I actually stepped out of production where I wasn't helping buyers and sellers for about four years. Uh, I went and ran a, uh, um, a Keller Williams office in, the McKin in, in McKinney. I enjoyed it, it was a great time, um, but I missed 
being hands-on with my, my customers. Uh, so after about four years, I, I said, hey, I appreciate the opportunity. It was great. Uh, and this year I stepped back into production, helping my team again. Uh, I plan to do that probably for uh, at least another year or two. Uh, and then I'll be looking for opportunities to potentially expand. Like what does the cave realty team uh, uh, in Austin look like? What does the cave realty team in Houston look like? Nice. Um, there's opportunities that once you've built a business and you have the systems in place, uh, all you're looking for is a talented person elsewhere uh, that thankfully today, because of being able to work virtually, I can have transaction coordinators and things that handle all of their contracts locally in my office mm -hmm. or even uh, virtual uh, assistants that are not even based out of the United States that can help with these things while we have an agent providing exceptional customer service in Houston, Austin, et cetera. So that hopefully nice. the goal is people get the same Cave Realty team experience in other locations. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much for being uh, here and a part of the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. And yeah. congrats to you and all your success. I know, like I said, we've kind of come up together and I've seen you have a great success in your field as well. So I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it, Ryan. So thank you. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Values Exchange podcast and uh, looking forward to our next episode with the managing director of LPL Financial. We'll be here, Matt and Yeti. Uh, so stay tuned.